Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Matt Jafoon, co-founder of Occupier. Thanks very much for being here, Matt. And if you would, please introduce yourself and Occupier a little further. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. I uh, really appreciate the time. So I'm Matt Jafoon. I'm one of the co-founders of Occupier. We're a lease management uh, platform for tenants. Uh, essentially, we bring a company's real estate portfolio online uh, by connecting all their stakeholders uh, in their real estate groups and other departments within the business to manage the entire life cycle of a lease. So our software allows a company to plan transactions, manage those transactions with a range of stakeholders, most notably their, their brokers. Uh, and then we actually have lease administration software that allows them to be much more proactive with their portfolio decisions. And finally, we have uh, lease accounting software as well, which allows uh, the finance team to maintain compliance with uh, lease accounting standards like FASB ASC 842 and IFRS 16. In doing this, we also employ a product for tenant representation brokers. So brokers who are prospecting for individual tenants or managing portfolio assignments on behalf of corporate occupiers, they can use our platform to manage the entire pipeline of transactions and also collaborate with their clients on deals. So uh, my personal background is in corporate real estate. I spent about 10 years working at JLL uh, here in the Boston uh, area. So I represented both local landlords and tenants, but I also did corporate portfolio transaction management work as well. It was through that experience that, you know, we recognized that there wasn't a really good kind of lightweight software platform that answered all those questions about how to centralize and proactively manage uh, real estate decisions. So the mission of Occupier is essentially to bring commercial real estate online for tenants and tenant rep brokers uh, and give them the tools necessary to make proper portfolio decisions without having to rely on old legacy software solutions or a spreadsheet for this and a report for that, a conference call for that, We're just trying to bring some modern cloud software to the commercial real estate space. And we work with companies across several different sectors. So it's not just corporate occupiers that use our software. We're actually heavily used by retailers as well. So stores that are trying to grow their footprint or manage a footprint of stores. They could be corporate owned, they could be franchises. We also work across uh, several different asset classes like life science, healthcare, education, industrial, et cetera. Cool. Okay. Well, you've got a great background and it sounds like uh, Occupier is squarely in the middle of all the challenges and opportunities that our members are facing today. So we're here to talk about some of those trends and I'm glad to have you on today. So here's my first question, uh, Matt. How are companies looking at changing their workplace strategy after about 15 plus months of experimentation with work from home? Yeah, that's the $64,000 question in the real estate world right now. I think, you know, obviously the internet headlines are kind of littered with all sorts of different takes on this. But I think if you kind of focus in on people space, companies that are employing people, it feels like there's a consensus forming around this concept of a hybrid model. However you want to define that, I think is not going to be based on a company by company basis. But I think because technology has kind of advanced, at least the use of technology during the pandemic had accelerated so much that people have realized that, you know, there isn't necessarily a imperative for them to be sitting at a desk in an office every day. Obviously, like I, I've been working from home up until just recently, 
and I had no problems logging into Zoom calls and getting on Google Meets and, you know, doing my work in Slack and communicating over email. Obviously, there was a, you know, missing of like that human interaction with my colleagues, but it just proves that you could do your job from your bedroom if you have to. Whether that everybody is going to prefer to do that is completely a personal choice. So I think the big shift is the companies that are embracing that personal choice of the employee are going to be the ones that are the most successful coming out of the pandemic. Now, obviously, there's certain jobs that might require you to be in the office more, or there might be a corporate culture that exists and the physical presence in the office is part of that culture. So it's not like every company is going to suddenly say, hey, you could just work from wherever you want. But because there's the option to work, whether it's from home or the local coffee shop, or if you're a salesperson and you're traveling, obviously, you need to work from an airport or wherever. There's just now so much more flexibility. And I think. The big part of it is also just the recruitment of talent, right? Like if I'm a parent with young kids and I don't want to spend two hours in my car every day driving into the city and back, I want to get to the Little League game, you know, maybe I'm going to work from home that day and adjust my hours, or maybe I'm going to work four hours a week and take Fridays to myself. So I think it's not just about the real estate aspect of it in the physical workspace. It's more about, you know, the personal choices of employees and like how they feel like they're doing their best work. And I think if companies can start accommodating that, then the workplace decisions could be designed around that. The space use, the location of the space, you know, are you going to go one headquarters and that's it? Or are you going to do kind of a smaller headquarters and like hub and spoke model? So I think it's TBD how this is all going to play out. And it's probably like another four or five years until kind of things normalize where there's kind of now like a new normal for, for the workplace. Exactly. Well, certainly the pandemic has upended workplace strategies. And as you say, it'll take a little while for it to all settle down and figure out where it's going to end up. So my next question, uh, also about the pandemic, how would you say the pandemic has accelerated the pace of digital transformation for businesses, specifically with respect to real estate? I think like we've, we've moved forward like five years, like just in like the matter of the last year. I mean, just speaking from the occupier perspective, we sell software to tenants to help them better manage their real estate decisions so that we're essentially taking their lease portfolio data and digitizing it into a format that is automated, that's collaborative, and then we're building workflows off for all sorts of stakeholders within you know, the, the real estate world. Prior to that, most companies, and still today, have been doing this just like completely manually or in spreadsheets, Google Docs, real inefficient ways of making very high stakes decisions for their business. So I think what has happened is because real estate was hit so hard by the pandemic on both the retail side and the office side. So on the retail side, obviously stores had to grapple with like, how do we keep our doors open? How do we stay in business? You know, which state regulations change from state to state? How do we actually be nimble enough in, in order to you know, renegotiate with our landlords or just make facilities related decisions, all of those things, you know, required you to dig into leases. And most companies just had their leases literally in a paper file or like a PDF somewhere. So to quickly understand like, what do I need to be basing my decision off of is very difficult. So because of that, we've seen a, a huge adoption in technology for real estate, because I think a lot of companies got caught with their pants down, quite frankly, with respect to like how they're better managing the real estate. So companies were double paying rent or missing rent payments or didn't realize they had a termination option that they could easily exercise to get out of the lease during the pandemic because they weren't tracking any of that stuff. So I think 
the and on the office side, similar similar scenario. Like, should we sublease our space? Where are people going to work? Like, how many people do we have in the space? What's the utilization percentage? And then, like, what are the data points coming out of my portfolio that I need to inform a better decision? A lot of companies were not prepared for that either. So, I think the adoption of digital is coinciding with not just the pandemic, but just the general kind of force moving in the software world, right? Like a lot of the technologies that the corporate real estate world relies on today are legacy technologies that were built, you know, over the past 25 years, they haven't innovated as much as the startups like us can. So I think companies are thirsty for new ways of doing things and tools that can help them have a better user experience and gain wider adoption throughout the business. Because one thing that's certain is that real estate has become kind of a, a front-running issue across all departments now. It's not like you could just hire a head of real estate and that person just goes and does their job and make sure that the lights are on in the office. It's like your sales team is getting involved. Your marketing team is getting involved. Of course, the finance team is involved in, in the real estate team and then third parties. So in order to connect all of those people, like you've got to have them mesh together with technology. And if the technology is not nimble enough, it's going to fail. If you're not using tech, you're eventually going to make a mistake that costs a company a lot of money. So I think for those reasons, like tech is being adopted faster and faster coming out of the pandemic for sure. With MRI, you can bring people back to the office in a way that suits their needs and the needs of the business. Create a safe, flexible, and productive work environment with space planning and reservation tools that empower employees to make optimal use of your workplace. Control the flow of employees and visitors in and out of the office with solutions that give you a full view of who's on site and who's working remotely. Leverage technology to evaluate usage and business demand, optimizing your space and plan for the office of the future. Okay. You mentioned the usefulness of tech to avoid mistakes. I'd like to bridge that world back over to something you mentioned in your introductory comments, lease accounting standards. We hear a lot about that. We've heard about that for years. I understand changes, though they've been delayed a bit. They're coming. Are companies ready for that? If not, why not? And what should they be doing to get ready? If I had to guess, I'd say at least 50% of companies don't even know that it's happening. And it's not their fault. It's just that it's it's a very kind of esoteric issue in the accounting world with respect to how leases are treated. And if you don't have the expertise internally to stay on top of the changes, then you're basically going to get hit with a huge amount of work at audit time in order to kind of make your compliance up to par. So I would say no, that most companies aren't prepared for it. Obviously, publicly traded companies have already been forced to adopt the new standards. Obviously, you can, you can choose your adoption date based on what your financial reporting schedules are. But the net effect of it is that by the end of this year, all companies are going to need to comply with this stuff. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to see this huge rush of people to, how do I figure this out, right? If it's, I have really competent external auditors and accountants that are, I'm just going to outsource it to, that's fine. But if I have a finance team internally that needs to all of a sudden gather information of 500 leases and understand the standards and what calculations need to be run, what reports need to be generated, what determinations need to be made at certain across a multitude of different scenarios of leases. How am I going to learn that quickly enough? And then how am I going to do that? Like a spreadsheet. That's just man hours that are going to delay 
the process that are going to put your company at risk for failing an audit, which is going to uh, result in more auditing fees, et cetera. So it is a big problem for most companies to grapple with, especially companies that have big portfolios. But I mean, that's not to say there are solutions out there and like Occupier is one of those, right? Like I think we're positioned uniquely because a single source of truth in the lease administration database that is being accessed by companies on a daily basis. So what the way we've designed our system is the lease accounting compliance just gets automated based off the data in the lease administration system. So you don't have to be running a lease accounting software over here for the finance team, a lease administration transaction management uh, program over here for the real estate team and the brokers, everybody's working off the same source of truth so that it's press of a button compliance. Obviously it's not that simple, but that's the concept because the largest part of adopting or becoming compliant is just the gathering of the information and making sure it's accurate. Like once you understand the calculations and you understand what reports to populate and how frequently to do that and how it's integrated with your general ledger system, then it's kind of a rinse and repeat process. But the upfront work to get something implemented and make sure that all the data is accurate is probably what's going to burn most people if they're not paying attention to it. Okay. Sounds like it's time to get ready if you're not. Yeah, it certainly is. (laughs) For sure. Now, uh, in terms of staffing, Matt, how is the role of the outsourced real estate partner changing? So big companies have relied on outsourcing partners for years. How is that shifting and evolving in today's world? And what about brokers specifically? Are companies using brokers about the same as they did before, a little more, a little less? How is that changing? I would say that companies are certainly relying on brokers almost 100% of the time, but maybe for different things. So in the traditional world before the internet existed and real estate market data was owned literally by people who did the deals, it was important to know and utilize a broker because they had the currency of the market information. And there's still some truth to that, right? Like local expertise, boots on the ground knowledge, landlord relationships are all still very important when looking at negotiating transactions or just strategizing about like some deal in a market. But because tech has risen to the point of being able to make a little bit more data transparent and corporate real estate people have become more sophisticated in the way they look at things in terms of the workplace and data elements that help drive their decisions, the broker is not only the chief negotiator, but is also more of like a kind of a strategic advisor for the company now. It's less about, hey, here's the market deal. Here's some comps. This is what's available. Let me go find you some space and negotiate. It's more around like, how do you align that strategy of the company and their overall business objectives with a real estate outcome? So brokers are being looked upon more to say, look, you're actually an outsourced arm of my real estate decision-making process. You're not just like somebody who's pounding the pavement trying to execute a transaction. So if you look at it from like a global perspective, some of the big corporate occupiers, they outsource not just brokerage, but every other service line to a JLL or a CDRE, right? And each one of those departments is looked upon for expertise. It's not like they're just executors of busy work. And I think because They now have access to better tools and better information. They're becoming that much more sticky and valuable within that chain of command. And then on on a, a, just a pure tenant rep basis, you know, the broker has always been somebody who has to prospect for their own tenants. They have to develop and maintain those relationships and they have to execute all of the workflows associated with getting a tenant into space. So, you know, when you look at kind of local tenants or like one-off deals and, and 
companies that don't have huge portfolios, the broker is even that much more important because those people aren't necessarily always experts in, you know, a commercial real estate transaction or just even managing a space. So I think going forward, the role of the broker is going to be as important, if not more than ever. I just think maybe their their role has has shifted a little bit. And and also brokerage is a very competitive world, right? So if you're not providing your client with the experience that they expect in 2021, 2022, an online experience, an experience that gives them quick, transparent, immediate access to the information about their portfolio or about an ongoing deal, then you're going to get left behind by the competition. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely changes happening, but you know, the brokerage world isn't going away anytime soon. Okay, excellent. And now, Matt, here's my my last question. As we look around us, uh, you guys are technology experts. We see technology disrupting the status quo everywhere in consumer behavior, all kinds of industries. It would seem that, given everything you shared and just my own uh, knowledge, that the time would really be right now for technology to really disrupt the status quo of how real estate is bought, sold, managed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think like... the, the word disruption, I think, is is definitely, you know, a strong word in this case. I think there's innovation to be gained here. If you look at the last 10 years, the prop tech world has just exploded, right? Like prop tech has become like a legitimate category for venture capital investments to focus on. Previous to that, it was fintech or insure tech or just general technology. But because there's been a coalescence around the fact that the real estate industry and its massive size of trillions of dollars is an asset class that can't be ignored anymore from a tech perspective. So the wide ranging nature of the prop tech space is creating this kind of feeling that like, oh, eventually like this whole real estate industry is just going to be automated by software and, you know, technology is going to disrupt all of these intermediaries that exist in the space. I'd argue that it's just going to make everybody better at what they do, right? So if you're a landlord and you're employing a new technology to help you model valuation better, yeah, maybe that might like diminish the role of an analyst a lot, but it's going to make you better at your job. It's not going to disrupt it effectively like how real estate is traded uh, between two parties. An online you know, auction platform might be another example, right? Like there's still a buyer and a seller. It's just facilitated by a technology platform now. You still need people to go through the entire process of valuing the building, entitling the property, all of those things that require like a ton of data, a ton of paper, and a ton of work from a human perspective. Yeah, it's going, it might go from like here to here, but it's not just going to like all of a sudden just like overnight shift from a, I can click a button and own a building. So I think all around us, there's disruptive technology in, in the built world, in the physical world. But if you think about it from like the tenant's perspective, which is kind of the, the, the thrust of our product and what, who, who Cornet serves, there's like thousands of, of technologies that you could look at. But like you, as the end user, you have to determine like, what are my kind of North Star metrics that I'm shooting for as a business or a business unit? And is there, are there tools out there that can help me drive towards that outcome? And if they are, how expensive are they? Are they worth the time and effort in terms of implementing those solutions? And like, what is the long-term effect on my business that those are going to have? So I think like when you, when people use the word disruption, they just think like, oh, one day everything's going to be completely changed, but there's so much evaluation and time and effort that goes into employing technology that it's, 
it, and it's such a massive unwieldy asset class that you know the pace of change is, is accelerated for sure but it, the pendulum is really just still swinging you know in the direction of it becoming a much more automated industry okay wonderful well matt thanks so much for speaking with cornet global today